Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C., our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and the title of the show is How Digital Transformation is Disrupting Government Information Support Solutions. John's guest is Stacy Redmond, founder and chief executive officer of Strategy and Management Services. John, over to you. Stacy, so great to have you on the show. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here. Terrific. So I love your subject, and I just want to set the frame for um, some of our listeners, uh, give a real simple example so everybody's on the same page. Digital transformation that you're an expert in really affecting everybody, CEOs, executives, government buyers, salespeople. And another way to think about the transformation is we're right in the middle of the age of disruption. All of us want to be working in a company that's either going to be a disruptor or help their customers be disruptors and not work in a company that's going to get disrupted. So a simple example is Uber, designed to disrupt the taxi industry. And in our area, over in Arlington, Arlington Cab has 600 cabs. After Uber started, they're now down to 200. 400 of their cabs are idle. So Uber was designed to disrupt the, the taxi industry, but it's disrupted so much more. And some of it's unintended. So it's disrupted the food delivery service, disrupted the carry limousine service in the larger cities, disrupted car manufacturing, car insurance. It's disrupted the incomes of people that own parking garages. It's disrupted the uh, income of the valet parking dudes in the fancy restaurants downtown. And an example of a blind side is if you lease a cab in New York City called a medallion, it used to be worth $1.3 million, and there were three um, New Jersey, northern New Jersey credit unions who financed those medallions. Now, the value of that medallions, because of Uber, down to about 130 k and those three credit unions shut down by the state because of insufficient capital. That's just one example of how disrupting is affecting us all including your customers, which are principally the government uh, contractors. So just to start, what's it done for your company? What have you been able to take advantage of because of this transformation? What have you changed and where are you kind of going with the company? It's really changed us as we started thinking about how we were going to be disruptors and really take advantage of some of the technology that is out there and available to us today. So much so that digital transformation, it's about innovating, but we can't accurately predict it. So decision makers have to substitute rigid long-term plans for strategic directions that provide sustainable business models that embrace change. But they're now looking for that quality compass and that more accurate roadmap to be able to navigate in the uncertainty of digital transformation as what you know today might change tomorrow. So we are really pushing our clients forward and helping them by looking at digital transformation and bringing that human side to it to make sure that those change agents are built around it so that technology is adopted and used to the best of the organization's ability and really about pushing that organization forward. When you're working with your clients, you're really 
helping them design their future strategy and then helping them with the right technologies to implement the strategy? Is that kind of an accurate way to say it? You got it exactly. And that's what we like to call our SAM solution, which is based on our SAM's core principles. And we're transforming our uh, business journeys with cost-effective solutions. So examples would be where there's a lot of paper and an agency or a client might be looking for how do we automate this process because we're dealing in this paper environment. And as we know, paper is prone to errors. So we can reduce the errors and improve the cycle time by automating that process through technology that's available. Good. So that implies that your um, salespeople or business development people actually have to be really good at facilitating strategic sessions, strategic planning sessions, but they also have to be pretty knowledgeable of technologies that are out there that could help the clients. So they have to have great product knowledge, I'm imagining. Yes, they do. And they have to stay ahead of the market as to what's happening out there. As we know, technologies are being adapted, developed and adapted, actually, much more rapidly than they have in years past, and that cycle time has reduced. It's a continuous education process and really staying on top of that technology and what's available to us and what's coming because what's happening today might be dated by next week. So we really encourage uh, career development and continuous education for all of our employees and we deliver that to our clients as well. To give you an example of uh, how crazy it is out there from my standpoint, there are about 300 tools for salespeople that have been developed, apps and that sort of thing. And in the marketing area, there's about 600 tools. What it really comes down to is you can't expect salespeople to use even 10 tools or the marketing folks to use 20 tools. How do you actually boil it down and give salespeople, give uh, marketing people, in your case, give the government managers exactly the right set of tools? Very difficult to figure that out. It is, but it all begins with first, what's driving the change. We'll go for the client first. What's driving the change? Because you don't want to force automation or force technology where technology isn't warranted. Sometimes it might just be a change to a business process that's going to improve that performance within the organization. So it really begins with advisory solutions, which is part of our SAM's core model. And that's the entry point, ideally, is the advisory solution. So that's where we're making the assessment. We're really taking a look at what's there and what's existing and determining, evaluating the as-is. Because, again, we're not interested in bringing technology where technology might not be needed, but maybe just a change in the process. So looking at it from that sense first and developing then the opportunity to improve the performance and the outcome is what we're aiming to get at for the end result. For our sales folks, we're engaged with many of the top technology corporations and we have relationships with a lot of them. So we often are bringing our salespeople along to various meetings, our solution architects, and bringing that entity together because you can't sell something that you don't know how it works or you aren't sure about or you haven't used. So our sales and marketing and our solutions delivery teams are all the same department within our company. And that's very important to keep that entity together because I'm sure 
as you know, John, we've all been sold something that maybe didn't deliver what we thought it would. And that's not <laughs> our motto at SAM. So we make sure yeah. that our solution architects are engaged with our sales team as we're assessing those opportunities and working with our clients, with our prospects and with our clients. Yeah, and so probably the the equivalent model for commercial sales would be the salesperson and the sales engineer. That is correct. Perhaps. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when you're providing solutions to the clients, are you essentially providing, uh, you know, once they've got the strategy set, are you then providing program management services where these uh, large technology firms are your subcontractors, or are you a VAR, are you a value-added reseller, or do you do both models? That's a great question, John. Um, and actually, it's it's the trifecta. <laughs> so, and sometimes we are a VAR, particularly if our clients already adapted or invested in a specific technology. So, in that case, we would be a VAR. But we also develop our own solutions as well. So, we have our own proprietary solutions that we've developed that we have taken to market and we use those tools also. And then the third is, yes, we may be a program manager for that specific entity technology company that's bringing in the solution and then we'll do the management and oversight of that project. That's good because having been a government buyer myself way back when, having the program management team like your company to um, translate between the the big tech companies and the tech guys and what the customer needs is a real skill. It's nice, you know, years ago, and I know you're familiar with this term, the, the honest broker, and I hate to use that. That so, was such an overused term, and I don't think we hear it so much anymore. It's more of the CETA support or the assistance and advisory services. So mm -hmm. acting exactly as that translator to make sure that our customers are getting what they purchased. Exactly. So an example would be um, when I first bought CRM, oh gosh, 20 years ago, we hired a consultant and he referred to himself as being agnostic to any CRM system. So he came in and did a needs analysis on what we really needed, then developed a plan, and then offered several different solutions with different combinations of hardware and software. That's the kind of consultants you want to work with. Yes, absolutely. Looking at it from that holistic lens and not bought into one solution because one technology may not be the one that client really needs. So we don't want to force feed any technology and really remain agnostic in the market. That way we're delivering the best solution for that client and exactly what they need. John, That's it's time great. to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Stacy Redman about how digital transformation is disrupting government information support solutions. Now back to John and Stacy. So Stacy, uh, great conversation so far. This is this is great, great, great. Because I used to be a government buyer. I remember we would get 21 proposals 
And we had software that would evaluate all 21. And if they weren't 100% totally compliant, we would get rid of at least half of them. And, of course, the reason was it takes a lot of time to read 21 proposals and grade them. Yeah. So the more <laughs> we could use software and tools to automate it and make our life easier, the better. Yes, and that technology is really improved. I had a similar experience when I was in the government, and you're right, that is very time-consuming process. And to be able to evaluate and analyze that data more quickly and understand it was really a game-changer. That technology right now is moving so fast and has really made the difference to a lot of our clients. Well, that's terrific. What's an example or two of tools that you all have developed that you're able to really help the clients with? Well, I think the big one for us is, as we were just talking about, John, is the data. We are information overload. Information is coming as executives, as people, as employees. Information is coming at us at record-setting pace. Everywhere you look, we're on our mobile phones, we're on our laptops, we're on the news, where it's just overwhelming, and we're inundated with email in addition to all that. So how do you take what's important and how do you bubble it up to the top? And how do you make sure that you're getting the relevant information that you need and the framework that you need it so that you can make decisions from it? So that's really a big area where we focused on and build some solutions around is how do I get to what's important to me and weed out the noise so that I can set that noise aside to look at it later and really realize what's important to me. And then how do I take that data, structured or unstructured, because sometimes data is unstructured, so how do I take that information, I won't even call it data at that point, it's just information, how do I take that information, how do I make it understandable, and how do I make decisions from it? So that's really where our core is around the data analytics and understanding that information that we're given. No, that's great. I mean, I just downloaded an update to my mobile phone. And now my email is split into two groups. One's called, I think it's focus group, and the other's mm -hmm. called other, mm -hmm. which really means that what it's telling me is I should look at the focus stuff first because that's the important stuff, and then go back and pick up the other stuff later if I have time. Mm -hmm. That's an example, of, of I think, of what you're talking about, isn't it? It is an example, and even in um, in Outlook now, there's, a, there's something that's called insights, and you can click on that insights, and it gives you a lot of data about how you're looking at your mail and how you're using your calendars, how you're organizing your tasks. So it's helping you, attempting to help you build efficiencies into your day. And that's what we're about. Everyone is pressed for time. When we just don't have enough time in the day to get done everything that we need to get done, how do we maximize the use of the information that we're receiving? That's really what we're focused on. That's terrific and, and such a big help to everybody also. Where have you actually implemented some of this? What kind of uh, customers, uh, Stacey? We work with both federal and commercial clients. Uh, a few years ago, I uh, made a decision, uh, even though federal is my background, I made a decision to also pursue work in commercial. Um, and that's about balancing that revenue. We know the government cycles, we know the buying cycles, and we know what they look like. And for my company, I wanted to build a legacy. And to me, that means making sure that we have meaningful employment opportunities year-round, not just one when customers buying. So I made a strategic decision to also pursue clients in the commercial space 
so that when we have down cycles in the federal government, we don't have to flip badges on our personnel. We're able to retain them and then put them to work on some of our projects with our commercial clients. Great, great strategy. So, you know, there's a lot of other new technologies coming that apply to sales and marketing teams. I know you know all about them, AI, machine learning, Internet of Things, and that sort of thing. How can those teams benefit from those technologies? I can tell you, and this is something very interesting. So three days ago, Nike announced that uh, John Donahue is going to be appointed as their company's new president and chief executive officer, effective in January. For those that don't recognize the name John Donahue, he is the tech executive and currently the current CEO of ServiceNow, who's a provider of cloud computing services. Certainly, his background and expertise suggests technology professional manager rather than a footwear visionary compared to the current CEO of Nike, Mike Partner, who started the company as a footwear designer. What Nike is saying is they're looking to be more personal at scale. And so aside from appointing John Donahue as the next CEO, they've also acquired some data analytics firms, Zodiac, another company specializing in predictive analysis. So here's your example of how Big Nike is taking their sales and marketing to be customized and personal as possible so that they can reach the known market segments and actually do some predictive analysis on buying habits using AI and augmented analytics. These are realities in today's industries, not just possibilities. No, and I agree. In the, um, I've watched ServiceNow for a long time. It's a great company. Yes, a wonderful company, and I'm sure he's going to bring a lot of that technology into Nike. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that organization is going to change. Yeah, my only screw-up is not buying their stock a long time ago. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, darn. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's not too late. Do it quickly. <laughs> so what are some of the big things that on either side, commercial or federal, what are some of the big issues people have got other than what you've talked about? I think the big issues today are where to start. We've been lagging. Some organizations, um, some industries have been lagging for quite some time, particularly in the areas of cybersecurity and vulnerabilities. Oh, and yeah. that's a great way that technology can be used to mitigate some of those risks. So we're seeing a lot of that. And again, the way to build efficiencies in their organizations to make them much more competitive and to increase that ROI. Automation and as a mindset, digital transformation has its risks and it impacts culture and processes significantly in many areas. So sales tools, automations, and what's happening in the workplace is it's going to increase the output and build efficiency. So it's really interesting to see how that transformation is happening now. John, it's time for the wrap-up. Thank you, Dave. So, Stacy, can you just uh, leave the listeners with a couple of points and then let everybody know if they really want help with digital transformation from a strategy standpoint and implementation, how can they get a hold of you? So I think the most important thing I would want folks to take away from this is that digital transformation has to be driven through cultural change before technology. 
And that change has to happen from the top to the bottom. So as leaders, we have to be comfortable or get comfortable with that change. We can't expect our organizations to adapt digital transformation mindset when we maintain the same rigid strategies and expectations as before. Embrace the change. It's coming and put the culture into it because that's so important. The way that I can be reached, you can follow us on all of the social media platforms, and our website is www.getsamsnow.com. <laughs> what a great website name, Get Sam's Now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks so much, Stacey. All right. Thank you, John. And thank you, John and Stacy. That's all the time we have for today. Our next show is in two weeks. Be sure to join us. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 